Hello and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We pray that as you listen to this message, it helps you grow closer to God and inspires you to live like Jesus. Thanks for listening. Here's the message. I want to just, I'm excited. We're kicking into a new series and I'll give you all the details on that in just a moment. But first of all, I want to tell you a story. I read this story lately. This is a, uh, just recently, this story is a true story. It is a funny story, but it's a sad story. It's a story about a woman in New Mexico who was flying, frying tortillas on her skillet. She stopped. She was frying tortillas on her skillet, and she stopped when she noticed that the heat marks on the tortilla resembled the face of Jesus. Excitedly, she told her husband and her neighbors about this tortilla, and they agreed that it looked like Jesus. So actually what they did next is they brought it to their priest. They were Catholic. They brought it to their priest hoping that he would bless it. And at first they were met with some reluctance on his part. But the priest was won over by the testimony of the husband when the husband said, because of this tortilla, my wife has been changed. She is a better wife. She's more peaceful. She's happier. And she's more submissive since the tortilla arrived. All you men want one of these tortillas. (laughs) But listen, it says the woman took her blessed tortilla after the priest blessed it. She took it home. She enshrined it in a glass case with cotton batting to resemble clouds. And she opened her shrine to visitors. Within a few months, more than 8,000 people visited the shrine of the tortilla of Jesus. All agreed that the face looked like Jesus except one reporter who said it looked like the boxer Leon Spinks. I read this story and I thought it's sad, it's funny, and all of that, but why do I think it's sad? Because I believe that it points out that worship, for so many of us, has become nothing but an empty and superstitious ritual that bears little resemblance to what Jesus calls real, true worship. Our theme here in 2022 at Destiny Church is Kingdom Co., meaning that as a church, we want to be a company of kingdom-minded people who represent Jesus and the kingdom of God. And when I say kingdom-minded, I think some of us aren't really sure what that means. What's it mean to be kingdom-minded? Well, as citizens of heaven, as Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 tells us, we, as citizens of heaven, we don't want to be just self-minded. We don't want to just be about ourselves. We don't want to just live for today. We really don't want to just live for our 80 years on earth. As sons and daughters of God, as children of God, we want to be heavenly minded. We want to be focused on eternity. We want to be about the kingdom of God. And we want to do as Christians, as believers, we want to do whatever we can to advance the kingdom of God. And as people and as a church, we want to be about the business of the kingdom. We want to be about the affairs of the kingdom. We want to make the kingdom of God a priority. And what is one of the things that is a priority in the kingdom is worship. I believe that worship is one of the highest priorities in the kingdom of God. In fact, I believe that God created each of us in this room to worship him. Isaiah 43, 21 tells us God created us so that we might praise him. God created us so that we might worship him. And I want to tell you, as your pastor, I am passionate about worship. 
I have always loved worship. And what I want to do for the next several months is we want to talk with you about worship. Psalm 95, 1 through 7 tells us this. Come, let's shout praises to God. Raise the roof for the rock who saved us. Let's march into his presence singing praises, lifting the rafters with our hymns. And why? Because God is the best high king over all gods. In one hand, he holds deep caves and caverns. In the other hand, grasps the high mountains. He made the oceans. He owns it. His hand sculpted earth. So come, let us worship him. Bow before him on your knees before God who made us. Oh, yes, he's our God. And we're the people he pastures, the flock he feeds. So what we're going to do over the course of the next nine weeks, we are going to look at worship. You're going to hear from me. You're also going to hear from some of our other staff. We're going to talk about what worship is, because I really don't know that if all of us know what worship really is. We're going to, we're going to talk about why worship is important. One of the things I'm really excited about, we've never done this here at Destiny. Pastor Elliot and I were talking about this. We're actually going to talk to you about the seven Hebrew words of praise and what they mean. In fact, one of the things we're actually going to do in this series that I'm really excited about is we're going to talk about David. And we're going to talk about David's tabernacle. And maybe some of you think David's tabernacle. I didn't know he had one. Well, David's tabernacle is actually mentioned in Scripture in 1 Chronicles chapter 16, in Amos chapter 9, and in Acts chapter 15. Did you know that David was a man after God's own heart? Scripture tells us that. Why was he a man after God's own heart? I believe there were multiple reasons, but I believe ultimately the biggest reason that David was a man after God's own heart was David was a worshiper. And as I said, we're going to talk about David's tabernacle that's mentioned in the Old Testament and in the New and how I interpret Scripture, because Acts chapter 15, Amos chapter 9 and Acts chapter 15 actually tell us that God's coming back to rebuild David's tabernacle. So why was David's tabernacle that was nothing more than honestly a makeshift tent that had posts in its corners? Any, how many of you guys like the TV show Alone? If you, if you like the TV show Alone, raise your hand high. I want to see my, all my alone people in the room. My family loves this. We watch it. Tasha and I, it's like, this is like ritual. We got to watch Alone. We've watched every single season. It's incredible to me. I love it. You know, you sit there and you judge the people. If you've never watched it, what they do is they drop 10 people off in the wilderness and they have nothing, and each of them are five miles apart. They have no human contact, and the goal is stay out there and survive as long as you can and win $500,000. And so what I do is from the comfort of my couch with a soda in a hand and a bag of chips in the other hand is tell them they're idiots for not figuring things out, you know? <laughs> and I judge them, you know, and I'm like, I could do this. I could do this. I could handle this. And then you, like, start thinking about that. I don't think I could make it, like, one day, you know? But anyway... So anyway, one of the things I love on alone is they, one of the things they have to do is they have to make a shelter. Because if they're going to live out there, they have to make a shelter. And each of them are given 10 items. And almost all of them bring a tarp. And what they do with that tarp is they figure out some kind of system and they put that tarp over the top and that becomes their house. And really that's what all that David's tabernacle was, was a tent with some posts on it. And why was David's tabernacle more impressive than the original one the original design that God gave Moses. We're going to look at this. 
Why was David's tabernacle more impressive than Solomon's? That was, if you add it up, I want to give you some stats about this. Solomon's was probably the most elaborate building ever built. I did some research on it this week. It is estimated that to rebuild Solomon's temple today with everything in it, listen to me, it would cost somewhere between 150 to $200 billion to rebuild it. Yet God said he's coming back not to build, rebuild a $200 billion building. He's coming back to rebuild a tent. Why? You know, and I did some, I did some more research. I looked up the 20 most expensive buildings in the world today. Did you know the 20 most expensive buildings in the world today would cost just a little bit over $164 billion to build? 20 buildings. Yet Solomon's tabernacle would cost between 150 and 2 billion, 200 billion. So what was it that made David a man after God's own heart? And what was it that made David's tent more impressive to God than anything else? I believe it was the worship that was offered there. And so that's what we're going to do over the next nine weeks. We're going to talk about kingdom worship and how do we be worshipers that Jesus looks for. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you and ask you in these next few moments, would you, would you do something special in this room today? But not just in this room, would you do something in our hearts Lord, we want to be worshipers. I believe at the heart of every human being is the desire to worship. We just oftentimes pledge our worship to the wrong places. And so, Lord, our prayer today is that we become a people who worship you with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, and all of our strength. And, Lord, I pray today that you give me clarity of thought as I communicate this word. And I pray that you give each of us ears to hear. But most importantly, you give us a heart that desires you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. When I say the word worship, what is, the, what is it that comes to your mind? Worship. When you hear that word worship, what do you think of? I would say several of you, you think about the three songs we just sang. Because that's what we've done in the church world today. We have limited worship to a 22 to a 25 minute worship set and we've called that worship. That's what worship is. And we've limited that. Now worship is over, and now we're on to the preaching. And I've even heard some people say, I really don't like the worship part. I just want to really come for the preaching part. Well, did you know that the part that we do call worship is not really about you? It's about him. And some of us today, because of song selection. Or some of us because of who sang a song or who didn't sing a song. Some of us, this is what we do in church world today. I didn't like the song, so I didn't really care for worship. I, if, if they had sang, I would have liked worship. If they had sang this song, I would have liked worship. And depending on your church backgrounds, when you think of worship, some of you might think of somber and quiet music with little to no expression. And I just want to say, if that's your background, I'm sorry. I just... You might think of candles, or you might think of, turn with me to page 262, and let's sing, I'll fly away. First verse, second verse, and fourth. What was the problem with third verse? Anybody understand? Why did we do, anybody know? It's like, we're going to sing verses one, two, and four. I never understood that. Why did we do that? 
You might think of organs. You might think of a full band, energetic people, loud music, hands raised, eyes closed, people singing. Depending on your background, that might be your scope of worship. For you, when you think of worship, you might think of volunteering in the church. For you, when you think of worship, you might think of enjoying the beauty of a sunrise or the beauty of a sunset. You might think, especially moms, you might think of a quiet moment at at home alone with no kids screaming in the house. You might think of giving of your tithe and of your offering. You might think of a choir. You might think of a certain song. For me, when I think of worship, and as I told you, I've always loved worship. When I think of worship, if if I'm totally honest, I go back to my childhood. And I think of Sunday night church. And I think of Brenda Potter singing songs with our church choir and kicking off her shoes and dancing on the stage and singing an old song called Send It On Down. And I remember as I got older, I thought, we're singing Send It On Down, Send the Holy Ghost On Down. I thought, he's already here. And we're asking to send him down. I remember that song. Just kind of a moment in my brain right there. Or I think of a man by the name of Phil Atkinson. In my parents' church when I was a kid, this is no, no lie, they were singing in the middle of church and one, and one night, it was on a Sunday night, he was sitting in the back and he stood up in his seat and they had pews and he stepped over every pew and ran to the front and danced along the front and they had a banister on the front of the stage and he was standing there and he, probably doing the Dougie or something, I can't remember, and he jumped up and danced on top of, I remember that, that's what I think of when I think of worship. Or I also think about when we first started this church. I remember sitting in a home in a living room and Jason playing the keyboard. And a lot of us, not a lot of us, 18 of us sitting around as Jason would play and we would sing and we would dream about Destiny Church. I have many fond memories of worship. And every single thing I've mentioned to you today is an expression of worship. But in and of themselves, they don't fully describe what worship is. And I want to talk to you about what worship is. So what exactly is worship? That's one of the questions we're going to deal with today. But that's really, my hope is that today isn't just the ultimate answer. Oh, that's worship. No, my hope is that as these next nine weeks unfold, you get a clear and a better picture of what worship really is. Is. And there are numerous thoughts, numerous ideas of what worship is, but I love what Webster's Dictionary 1828 model says of it. Listen, it says this, worship is to honor God with extravagant love and extreme submission. That's worship. Worship is to honor God with extravagant love and extreme submission. So based off of that definition, And some of my own feelings concerning worship, I would say, listen to me, I would say that true worship is defined by the priority we place on who God is in our lives and where God is in our list of priorities. That's worship. And worship could encompass a lot of things. It can encompass song. It can encompass a mountain scenery. It can encompass serving. Worship is many things, and that's what I hope to unveil over the next few Weeks. But what I want to do today is before we even tell you what worship is, I want to tell you what I think worship is not. Okay? Worship is not about, number one, worship is not about us. The reality is some of you, you love singing, 
You love songs. You thrive off worship. You, you play no music but worship music. But I just want to tell you, worship is not about you. It's not about you. It's not, worship is not about getting your needs met. And I hope today when I talk about this, I don't bust some of your worship bubbles and think, well, it's not as exciting as I once thought it was. But worship's not about your needs. Worship's not about feelings. Worship's not about, I hope I get a tingle down my spine today. Worship's not, I hope I cry today. That's not worship. Worship is not about you. Plain and simple, worship is about God. Psalm 95 again, just kind of a paraphrase of this. Come let us shout praises to God. Come let us worship. Let's bow before Him. Let's get on our knees before God who made us. Number one, worship is not about us. Worship is about Jesus. Number two, this is a big one. Worship is not an event that we attend. Worship is not an event. In the church world today, worship is thought of more as an event that we attend or an activity that we participate in with other Christians. Well, it's true that as Christians today across the globe, people are gathering in groups and they worship and they sing and they serve and they celebrate their Savior. But listen, when you see that worship is nothing more than an event that you attend, you are limiting God's desire, his design, and his intention of worship. We're going to see that. I'm going to point that out even in Scripture today. But when all you do is you see that this is worship, let me, let me just say it this way. If all you ever do is, an, is attend a 23-minute worship event or a worship set, and that's your worship for the week, you are not a worshiper. Worship is not an event. And you're going to hear me say this throughout this message and throughout this series. I hope this will be a theme. But worship is not an event. It's a lifestyle. It's, it's at the core. Worship is about the heart. At the core, worship is about our heart. Yes, we've played, you know, let me, let me say this. Number three, worship is not about the songs we sing one day a week at the event. Let me say it again. Worship is not about the songs we sing one day a week at the event. Yes, today we sang some songs and, and our team did a great job and we called it worship. And what we did today for that 23-minute set was a part of worship. But simply playing songs, listen to me, or singing songs does not guarantee that I'm a worshiper. Just as me going in my backyard and playing catch with my boys with a baseball and a glove does not ensure that I am a major league baseball player. No, I am just throwing a baseball. And just because I come into church and sing a song or tap my toe, that does not make me a worshiper. Yes, music is one of the ways we can express our worship, and it's one of my favorites. I love to worship. But the problem with seeing worship as simply the songs we sing, it limits it. And then when we leave this room, we're leaving worship behind. And that's never God's desire. Again, worship is a lifestyle that is about our heart. And it's something we continually do, not just when we're singing songs. But also when you limit worship to simply about songs or music, listen to me. There are people in this room, there are people in this world who... Number one, maybe they cannot hear the music. Maybe they don't like music. Maybe they don't like our style of music. 
Maybe they don't like that style of song. So if we limit it to what happens on this stage when we're playing an instrument or singing a song, I think what happens is we are limiting it to a certain group of people and we're neglecting a certain crowd of people. No, worship is not about us. It's not about an event. It's not about a song. Worship is about a lifestyle that's about our heart, loving God with everything we have inside of us. Listen, you don't have to be a great singer to be a great worshiper. I'll tell you, some of the best worshipers I've ever seen, I don't want to hear them sing. I mean, I've, I've seen some people that really love Jesus. You know, like, I wish you'd love Jesus a little quieter, you know? First Corinthians, but listen to me. 1 Corinthians 10.31, once it tells us, whatever you, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So what's this saying? When I sing, worship God with everything I have. When I serve, do it all for God. When I give, give. When I am out in the mountains and enjoying scenery, do it all for the glory of God. Worship is a lifestyle. It's an expression of the heart. So listen, when my heart is in the right posture, I can worship God whether I'm in a room with other people singing or I can worship God when I have no music and all I can hear is the birds. Are we getting this? Worship is a lifestyle. Number four, worship is not about performance. In a performance-saturated society, if we're not careful, we will see worship as something to be graded. I I need to hit this. If we're not careful in our performance-saturated society, we will see worship as something we should grade rather than something we should give to God. Worship wasn't good enough today. They, they played the wrong note. I couldn't worship because they didn't. No, worship is not about the performance You see, what happens oftentimes with worship is we see ourselves as the audience and we see the people on the stage as the performers who should entertain us. Let me tell you today, worship is not a spectator sport. Worship is all-inclusive. Every single one of us engage in worship. It's not a performance. This leads me to my next thought for you. Worship is not just reserved for the select few on the stage. Worship is for all of us. Psalm 34, come magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Implied there is the word all. Let all of us worship God. It's not about the singers on the stage. It's not simply about the pastor. God designed every single one of us to have a heart of worship. And I said it in my opening prayer, but I want to tell you, I believe that all of us in our nature, God designed us to be worshipers. God designed us to be worshipers, and you can see it. Some of us worship God with everything I have. Others of us, what we do is we worship our favorite team, or we worship our bank account, or we worship our job. 
or we worship our family. All of us, God created us to be worshipers, but some of us, we have not postured our heart in the right spot, and we have not aligned our priorities in the right way, and therefore, we don't give God our worship, we give self our worship. We give a sports team our worship. We give our world, our bank account, or whatever it might be, our worship. God designed us to worship. In fact, there's a scripture that says, if the church doesn't worship me, I'll use the rocks to worship me. God designed us that somebody somewhere is going to worship him. Will that be you? It's not just about a select few. Every single one of us in this room, whether you know it or not, God designed you. He created you to be a worshiper. Some of us are like me. You look, some of you look at me on a Sunday morning and think, Pastor Chad loses his mind sometimes. I just want to tell you, there are some Sunday mornings when we are worshiping that I, I feel very proud of myself because I didn't like run around the room and jump up and down because it's like something wants to like explode. You know, like I think, Caleb, you're the same way because I watch you playing the guitar and it's like, I know you're just like, I just got, I got to get it. Like, some of us, that's how we are. We're very expressive when we worship. Some of us, we cry, we kneel, we bow. But some of you, your worship is this. And people like me have sometimes judged you and thought you weren't a worshiper. Listen, your style is not the point. But listen, it's not, let's take it back. It's not even about what we do in this room. Some of us, the best we worship is when we're on a hiking trail and we're just enjoying the beauty of God. Some of us, our best time of worship is sitting in a deer stand. Some of us, our best time of worship is when we're sitting there teaching our children. Listen, your preferred style or your preferred method is not the point. The point today is this. Are you a worshiper with all of your heart? That's the point of what I want to get across today. Our style is not what's important. Our heart is what is important. Psalm 86, 12 says this. I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. So what is worship? It's not performance. It's not an event. It's not songs. What is worship? Well, I think Jesus describes worship pretty good. In John chapter 4. I think he does a good job. And I'm going to read John chapter 4 verse 21 through 24 to you. This is Jesus speaking to a Samaritan woman. We've looked at this story in the past in our church. Many of you probably heard it. Um, but just to give you a little background on this story. Jesus is a Jew, right? Jews and Samaritans have nothing to do with each other. In fact, the disciples go around this place. But Jesus goes to this place and we're in the middle of the day. And most women would come to the place to get water earlier in the day. But this woman was an ostracized woman. She's an outcast. And she comes and Jesus meets her at this place and has an incredible encounter with her. And it leads to him talking to her about worship. And this is where I want us to pick it up. Verse 21. Believe me, woman, the time is coming when you Samaritans will worship the Father neither here at this mountain nor there in Jerusalem. You worship guessing in the dark. We Jews worship in the clear light of day. God's way of salvation is made available through the Jews. But listen here. But the time is coming. It has, in fact, come when what you're called will not matter or where you go to worship will not matter. It's who you are and the way you live that counts before God. Let's just, let's just, let's just kind of pause there. It's who you are. And the way you live that counts before God. 
Just leave that up there and just, just kind of pause on that. Think of your definition of worship and all that you've made it your whole life. I'm 46 years old and I've had certain pictures of worship, but I think that boils it down. Worship is who you are and the way you live that counts before God. It's about the heart. It's about the heart. Your worship, listen as it goes on, must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. This one it says, that's the kind of people the Lord is looking for. Those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. God is sheer being itself spirit. Those who worship him must do it out of their very being, their spirits, their true selves in adoration. Now think if we boiled this scripture down, we could say this. What is worship? Worship is about what's happening in your heart. It's about your heart. It's not about the song. It's not about the performance. It's not about did they hit every note perfectly. It's about my heart. You see, I can be a worshiper if the entire music set is played in the wrong key because I'm not worshiping the worship team, I'm worshiping God. You see, I can worship in the mountains when there is no music. I can worship in a storm when it seems like chaos is all around me because it's about the posture of my heart, not about the moment. Are we getting this? Look at verse 23 again. But Jesus says, Jesus says, but woman, the time is coming. In fact, it has come. What's Jesus saying here? Remember at the beginning, I even talked to you and said, we're going to look this series. We're going to look at the tabernacle of David and why it's more impressive than Moses' tabernacle or Solomon's tabernacle. What Jesus is saying here is up to this point in time, in the days of Moses and in the days of Solomon, and even up to the, into this point in the New Testament, Worship pretty much happened in the temple. That's where they would worship. They would go to the tabernacle to worship. That's what was, and it was, and it was like, it was like a ritual. You'd have to dress up, have to offer a sacrifice. You have to go somewhere. You have to go somewhere to worship. It was kind of like a program. It was, it was really about an event. But Jesus is saying the time is coming. In fact, it has come. What Jesus is saying here is worship is not about the building. Jesus is saying worship is not about the event. Jesus is saying worship is not about what you wear or how good you sing or how good the music is. Jesus is saying the time is coming when it's about the heart. And Jesus is saying that time is here. He goes on, I read it earlier, but if the time is coming, is in fact come when what you're called will not matter and where you go to worship will not matter. It's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. What's this all saying? I'm like, like what's it mean to worship in spirit and in truth? I mean, that's a, like a, what's that mean? Like I, I hear it, but what does that mean? Well, I love, I love the enduring word commentary. I, I use it quite often. And what they say about this whole idea of spirit and truth, listen to what they says here. The basis for true worship, the kind that Jesus is after, is not found in places and trappings, meaning rituals, but it's found in spirit and in truth. 
The, play, the type of worship that Jesus is looking for is not found in places and trappings, but it's found in spirit and in truth. So let me, try to dis, let me try to explain John chapter 4, this whole idea of spirit and in truth, okay? Jesus, what he's saying here is that matters of the exterior. So I, I've told you guys this before. When I was a kid... I would come to church with my parents being pastors and my grandparents being pastors. Everywhere I went in church when I was a kid, every eye was on me, right? That's what I felt like as a pastor's kid. And, I, and, and you, should, you should love on, and I'm not saying it's for my kids, but if you have a kid in our church that's a pastor's kid, love on them. Because, man, sometimes a pastor's kid, you feel like the whole world is looking at you. And I remember when I was a kid, sometimes, some Sundays I would just want to be a kid. And some Sundays I, I was, my heart wasn't in the right place. But with every eye on me, what I would do is I would lift up my hands. Because I thought I had to perform, right? Well, what Jesus is saying is, it's, it's, not, it's no longer about the performance. Jesus is saying, it's no longer about this, or even this, or tears, or shouts, or cries, or the building you go to. It's not about the exterior. What Jesus is saying, it's what matters about what's going on on the inside. You see, for years, even in the Old Testament, it, was about, it really was about the exterior. But Jesus, what he's saying here now, and what he's even been speaking, even to the scribes and the Pharisees and all of that, is it's really about the heart. All of Christianity boils down to our heart. But worship boils down to our heart. Why do I think that David was a man after God's own heart? Because I think his heart had the right posture. His heart was bent toward God. Worship, again, is not just songs. Worship, I believe another reason that David was a man after God's own heart is because David was obedient. David sinned. David made mistakes. But his heart was always bent to get back to God. Worship is about our heart. It's not about what I do. It's not about going to church. It's not about singing songs. It's not about putting a 20 in the offering plate and saying I did my job. No, worship is what's happening on the inside. Is my heart bent toward God? To worship God in spirit and truth, I believe it's really beginning to talk about our heart. When the woman said, when Jesus said to the woman, a time is coming and has now come that true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, Jesus is making a direct reference to your heart. To your heart. What Jesus is saying is, woman, the, the place of worship is no longer the most important thing. The expression that you give on the outside is no longer the most important thing. What he's saying as a son or a daughter of God, listen to me, you, you can worship God anywhere, any place, in any circumstance, in any building, in any situation, whether you're on a mountain or you're in a valley, if your heart is in the right posture, you can worship God. And that's what Jesus is saying to this woman, and I believe that's what God is saying to us. If we're going to be a company of kingdom-minded people and worship is a priority in heaven, if you say, I'm not, how do you know that worship is a priority in heaven? Well, the saints and the angels never stop worshiping the Lord. If we could put heaven into a time period, 24 hours and seven days a week, they never stop worshiping. It's important. 
It's important when he says, if people won't worship me, I'll use rocks to worship me. You know that worship is a priority in heaven. So if we're going to be a company of kingdom-minded people who prioritize worship, then we have to get our heart in the right spot. Our heart has to be in the right posture. Listen to me. I could stand here today, and I could come into this room just as any of you could, and I'll, but I'll put it on me. I could come here, and I could sing, and I could shout, and I could dance, and I could do all those things, and every single one of you could look across the room and say, man, how much Pastor Chad loves Jesus, and how much he's worshiping him, but if my heart is not in the right place, God is not at all impressed with my outward expression if my heart is not in the right place. Let me say it again. You can look like you have it all together and you can act like you have it all together, but if your heart is not in the right posture, God is not impressed with your worship. You can stand up here on the stage and you can strum a guitar, you can play a drum, you can teach a class, you can make everybody around you think you have it all together, but if your heart is not bent toward God, God is not impressed with your worship. And that's what God is saying here. That's what Jesus is saying here in John chapter four. He's looking at this woman. He's saying, it's not about the scribes. It's not about what they do out in public. It's not about their fasting. It's not about their praying. God's saying, I want it now to be about your heart. Are we getting anything? It's about our hearts. Look at what David said in Psalm 51. Going through the motions. This won't be on the screen, so sorry. This is just a late edition. But Psalm 51 from the message. Listen to what it says. Look it up yourselves. But going through the motions, this is David speaking to God. Going through the motions doesn't please you. A a flawless performance is nothing to you. Listen to what he says. I learned God worship when my pride was shattered. Hearts shattered lives ready for love. God doesn't miss that. What God is looking for in worship is not your outward expressions. What God is looking for is worship, in worship is your heart. Listen to what Jesus said to the religious crowd in Matthew chapter 15. This is one of the most direct statements I can make about this. These people honor me with their lips, but they're... What's far from him? See, I can do this all day long. I can, I can even look really spiritual and do this because I got tired. Whatever it might be. I can do all of this. I can shout. I can stand up here and preach. But God is not impressed if my heart is far from him. What is worship? I believe worship boils down to the heart. What is the posture of your heart today? What is the posture of your heart? These people, they honor me with their lips. Their hearts are far from me. And then listen to what verse 9 says. And because of that, they worship me in vain. So again, let's look back. I've read this verse multiple times today. John chapter 4. Let's look back at this part. But the time is coming. In fact, it has come when what you're called will not matter. And where you go to worship will not matter. It's who you are and the way you live. That counts before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. Let me try to make it practical as I close. When you think of spirit and truth, think of heart 
and head. When you think of spirit and truth, think of your heart and your head. For our worship to be the kind that the Father is seeking, listen to me, it must engage our emotions and our thoughts. Spirit and truth means it engages your emotions and your thoughts. See, I've seen people that just worship with their emotions, and they're crazy. And you're like, they're weird, right? But then I've seen people that worship God with all they have is head knowledge, and there's no emotion, and they're like dry and stale. What he's saying is, I don't want you to be crazy. I don't want you to be, I want you to be balanced. He's wanting people to worship with their emotions Listen, God made us with heads and hearts, minds and emotions. If we neglect one or the other, we're not worshiping God with everything that he desires. I can't just give him my heart, but my head is somewhere else. Or I can't just give him my head and my heart is somewhere else. It's spirit and in truth. I love, uh, this is another late addition. Sorry, guys, but the Lord is showing me some things last night. 1 Corinthians 14, 15. You probably have never thought of this as a worship verse, but listen to what he says. This is Paul. So what shall I do? Listen to what he says. I pray with my spirit, but I also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I also will sing with my understanding. Spirit and truth is heart and head. It's both and. So the ultimate question as I close today is this. Are you a worshiper? That's the question. Are you a worshiper? That's what God is looking for. Spirit and truth, heart and and head. Deuteronomy 6, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. And that's what God is calling Destiny Church to as a group of kingdom-minded people, people that will worship him with our heart, our head, our spirit, and our truth. And as I close, if our band wants to come on back, I'd love to tell you today, I'd love to stand up here and say, I rarely do this. But quite often, I miss it. What do I mean by that? Quite often, what I do is I worship sometimes with my heart, and my head is in somewhere else. And other times, my head's in it, and my heart's somewhere else. Not all the time do I have them both in sync. And what I, and what I did this week is I confessed that to the Lord, and I repented. As I'm beginning to get better understanding what Jesus is saying in John chapter 4. Worship is heart and head, mind and emotions, spirit and truth. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you'd like to learn more about Destiny Church, how to get connected or give online, visit destinychurch.me. Have a great week.